The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special Investors Business Daily installment of Barron's Live. It's Ali Corum here. I'm multimedia content editor at IBD. And joining me today, we have Harold Morris. He's a senior product coach at IBD. Harold, great to have well, you on Barron's Live. Good morning. Hey. Or afternoon, wherever you are. Exactly. Yeah, noon on the East Coast, still morning where you are in L.A., and today we are looking forward to chatting about where we are in this overall market. Fed on its rate hike path, inflation that's peaking, what clues we can be looking at in the current market for some signals about the direction. There's been talk about, is this just a bear market rally? Is it something that can be more sustainable? So Harold's going to talk to us about some clues that we can look at to help tip us off about the market's direction. Then we're gonna drill down and talk about portfolio management strategies because we wanna be able to sway with the market direction, increasing exposure when appropriate, decreasing exposure when appropriate, and taking our clues from the health of the overall market. And then once we've talked about portfolio management strategies, and we need to know what industry groups we should be focused on because we have seen some interesting moves underneath the surface, groups rotating in and out of favor. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And then finally, we'll talk about stocks to buy, stocks that we should have on our radar, our watch list. When's the right time to buy? Add exposure and take profit. So that's a little roadmap of the session today, Harold. But I want to kick it over to you. And so let's talk about that big picture of where we are right now in the market. Well, big picture, the market has been very strong the last uh, five or six weeks. However, we are still trading below the 200-day moving average. So for me, the way my approach to the market is, uh, as long as we're below that 200-day moving average, and notice if you have a chart in front of you, that 200-day moving average is in a downtrend. And as long as we're below that moving average, I'm treating this uh, this rally that we're in as a bear market rally. So I'm still active, but I'm not looking for any type of long-term sustained move until we make it up above that 200-day moving average. So yesterday, you know, we did have a little pullback. We had a lot of reversals in the indexes and some leading stocks. Uh, today is looking pretty good so far. But as far as the overall market is concerned and my approach, uh, I'm treating this as a bear market rally. Mm -hmm. But like you said, you're still participating. You can't ignore the last couple of weeks of strong gains. But then I think it, it comes to, OK, what tactics are you using knowing that it's a bear market rally or with with that thesis, at least at this time, it seems like that has an impact on uh, not only how you're positioned in terms of portfolio exposure, you know, this isn't a time to be on margin or, or anything like that, Correct. but you know, where, Correct. where you're entering positions, how big those positions are and your approach to taking profits. 
All right, and, and and the reason why I'm approaching this as a bear market rally is we saw back in March, you know, we had a very strong uptrend uh, in March. Stocks were moving, stocks were breaking up, but we got right up to that 200-day moving average. We hit that and then reversed down to the downside. So there's always that possibility that could happen again. So I'm being cautious. Uh, at the same time, I'm being aggressive, but cautious because of that 200-day moving average. Mm-hmm. So some great tips there for active investors and more on the overall market. How do you think about uh, those different macroeconomic factors and uh, maybe some secondary indicators? How is that weighing into your overall strategy as well? Or is it mainly, you know, let's see how the market is reacting to all of that, which there's been a change in the tone over the last couple of weeks in terms of how the market is handling all of this news that we're and data that we're seeing on the macro front. Yeah. I mean, there's always a lot of news, whether it be domestically, internationally, you know, whatever, Uh, interest rates, uh, all kinds of things that are out there. I tend to focus in on, on the indexes and the market itself, because regardless of what's out there, you know, we know something is going to happen uh, and whatever happens, it's going to be reflected in the indexes. So if there's good news out there, the way the market interprets it as good news, we should see an uptrend uh, move to the upside and vice versa. If the market interprets news to that it's negative for the market, then we'll see a move to the downside. So rather than trying to figure out what's going on internationally or domestically as far as policy or, you know, we, know, we got you know, the war in Ukraine, et cetera, rather than trying to look at all those different things, I just like to keep it as simple and focus on what the market is doing. That'll tell me what, uh, what the market thinks about all these domestic issues or, or international issues. So that 200-day moving average, a key level for you, and another technical level we've been looking at is a trend line that can Mm -hmm. be drawn from the highs around late 2021, connecting to where we did bump up to resistance, as you were mentioning, in late March. We've now, just in the last couple of days, gotten above that. But again, that doesn't that doesn't mean that we are out of the woods. There are a lot of uh, resistance levels after such a big downturn that we've seen for much of the year, a lot of hurdles to get above uh, on the NASDAQ 13,000, which is right, right right where we are now. Um, Mm -hmm. And then again, we have that 200 day line to contend with. So uh, Anything besides that that would make you feel more confident about adding exposure in terms of where we are in relation to other moving averages that we that we are above? How should we take a look at those? Well, we are getting pretty extended above the moving averages, primarily the 50-day moving average, we keep a sharp eye out on where the indexes or individual stocks are trading relative to the 50-day moving average. So we're well above that on the uh, on the indexes. Uh, also, the 21-day exponential, that's something I keep a real sharp eye out on, uh, whether it be a stock or, or, um, or the indexes. So we're well above both of those. That's what's causing me to pull back a little bit. Again, I'm still 
looking for things to, to buy, still looking to put on positions. But at the same time, uh, I'm not as gun ho as I was maybe a week to a week and a half because we're getting above the getting extended above those moving averages. And as I mentioned earlier, we're mm -hmm. above the we got that that 200 day looming over us. It's like, you know, it's 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 it's. It's, it's like the boogeyman just hiding around the corner uh, and you know, he's there, but you don't know when he's going to pop out. But as we get up closer to that 200 day, I think uh, that's a time to uh, really ease off on putting new monies to work in the market. Mm -hmm. Until uh, we can really see the market it prove itself. Right, and exactly. once we continue to see those signals and that can um, help us be more confident about uh, where we're at in the overall trend. And I think that's a great segue, Harold, to more of that talk on the portfolio management side, because you talked about easing off a little bit. So clearly over the last couple of weeks, putting money to work uh, because we are in this, in this strong trend. And so, you know, looking at those clues of, of the changing tide before this week, I think it's also something uh, to keep an eye out for, uh, you know, getting bogged down by by the negative headlines and uh, using that as your guide isn't what we want to be doing. Like you said, looking at the price action uh, and, and starting to maybe be cautiously optimistic, putting a little bit of money right. to work. Uh, but let's talk about overall portfolio exposure, because if this is, is a rally that still has to prove itself, what kind of uh, portfolio exposure is appropriate right now? Well, I put on a lot of exposure in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I can remember I got down to maybe 30% invested. Uh, last couple of weeks, I've raised that, so I'm almost doubled what I was, uh, I was a little over 60% invested right now as we speak here. So I, I'm at the point where uh, I'll put on a little bit more, uh, but as I've been, I'm gonna keep bringing this up, that 200 day that's looming right above us. So uh, I'm not gonna be too anxious of adding more exposure to the market. If you haven't done much, because maybe you were hesitant about the market mm -hmm. because of all the news issues out there, uh, I wouldn't be too anxious to put more money to work. Uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, that 200-day is looming up above above us here. So a lot depends on what you've been doing the last couple of weeks as to what you're going to do with your portfolio. Mm -hmm. And uh, with the strong move, if we are expecting maybe some sort of pause here or pullback, it seems like uh, seeing how the market digests that, uh, if, right. if we can... You know, find support and then and then rebound. That also might give uh, the opportunity for a lot of stocks that we are seeing that have made those really strong moves over the last couple of weeks take time themselves to digest gains and set up alternative entries uh, because chasing stocks in this kind of market, especially with where we're at now, isn't uh, something that would be advised. But uh, right. what's right. your comment on that? All right. So as we talked about earlier, you know, the market is getting extended above the major moving averages. Um, if you look at the market since the, the June lows, I mean, the Nasdaq is up like 15 percent, the S&P up around uh, 10 to 12 percent. Uh, I was even looking at this uh, consumer discretionary. That's up, I think, close to 20 percent. So the market has made a very strong move 
since the since the June lows, and this also had adds more um, cautiousness on my on my behalf because because of the move we've made since the June lows. And also you throw in the fact that we are above those moving averages. So what we would like to see is the market kind of pull back a little bit. It would it would be nice if the market kind of went sideways for a little bit. You know, on the NASDAQ, we're at that 13,000 level. It would be nice if we just kind of went sideways from there and really not, not do much to digest those gains and then see a further move to the upside. So only time will tell if that happens. So that's why we keep a shy, sharp eye out on the market and a sharper eye out on our positions there. So for those of you who maybe you didn't get the exposure that you wanted, don't don't jump in now. Uh, wait for the market to at least at least for the Nasdaq get above that thirteen thousand level, and then we'll see what happens from there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, with the strong move off of lows that we've seen, I think that begs the question: What stocks and industry groups are really driving that strength and Harold, what do you look at to help uncover those signals of shifting industry group strength? Yeah, so I use uh, the Growth 250. So in MarketSmith, we have a list called the Growth 250. And the, the, the primary purpose of that list is to uh, find stocks in some of your, your stronger indus- industries. So one of the things I do as part of my weekend routine, I like to see what stocks are added to the Growth 250. So every Friday, a couple hours after the close of the market, that list gets updated. So on the weekends, I will look and see, okay, what stocks are new to that list? I'm not necessarily looking at the stocks, but I'm looking at the industry groups that those stocks belong to. So for example, back in the very beginning of the year, uh, oil and gas, uh, I think the first week, uh, uh, the first week of the trading, there were no oil and gas stocks on, on the Growth 250. But then by the second week of January of this year, I saw about 35 names show up on the, on the Growth 250. That was telling me that institutions were putting some money into that, that, uh, that sector of the market there. And of course, we all know the first five, five and a half months of this year, oil and gas, that has been, that has been the leading industry. Uh, back in June, oil did kind of sell off a little bit along with the stocks in oil, uh, like XOM. We saw XOP also uh, take a decline. But what I'm seeing now, based on doing my research using that Growth 250, it looks like we're starting to see more oil and gas stocks uh, uh, coming up. Where We had quite a few added to the Growth 250 list this past weekend, uh, also the weekend before. So it looks like oil is trying to reassert reassert itself uh, uh, to leadership here. And there could be some reasons behind that. But again, I don't like to look at why something is working or not working. I just look at what's going on with the charts, what's going on with the fundamentals, and then I act accordingly. Mm -hmm. So utilizing the the growth 250 and seeing what's what's moving on, what's Mm -hmm. coming off can help uh, you uncover that industry group shifts. And also looking at these ETFs can be sort of a proxy for what we're seeing. Uh, Lately, we've been talking a lot about biotech stocks and looking at uh, the improving relative strength there, even at the lows, sort of the subtle signs. I can um, pull up an index line here just to compare this. So when we saw the S&P 
undercut its lows from mid-May. In uh, mid-June, we did not see an undercut of the lows for biotech stocks. So it's, even though at that time, it's uh, still not a good looking chart, still in a downtrend, that's one of those subtle signs of relative strength that got something like this on our radar and has exactly. now, yeah, since then been in a nice uptrend. Yeah, yeah, so as you've shown on your charts, the um, uh, you saw a downtrend on the S&P 500, but the relative strength line for XBI, it kind of flattened out. So that's a sign of some relative strength. And it was kind of strange because typically biotech, that is a very risky part of the market. And when a market's in a downtrend, there's usually more of a flight to safety rather than risk. So it's kind of strange that, okay, at least that was, that was the way I was looking at it. It's kind of strange that biotech was in favor. But uh, like I said uh, a couple of times already, I don't try to figure out why. I'm just looking at what's moving, what's working, what's not working. Biotech was working. So that's where I've been putting some money into it. And especially biotech, I prefer the ETF like this XBI or uh, IBB is another one because biotechs can be extremely volatile because all it takes is a uh, some type of downgrade or maybe one of their drugs have some type of unexpected effect, negative effect and the stock fell off, sells off. It could pull down the entire industry. Just have an ETF exposure, uh, you don't have that 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 risk overall risk that uh, an individual stock will have. Mm -hmm. And uh, when Ken Shreve was on Barron's Live with me, we were talking about IBB and XBI a little bit earlier. So it was at least a month ago, and mm -hmm. uh, we've we've seen some nice moves for these ETFs since then. Harold, anything else that we need to know about how to uncover that? that market leadership, because I think as, as individual investors who are active, I mean, the reason why we're doing that, why we're actively managing our portfolios is because we want to outperform the market, right? right? right. So uh, focusing on stocks that are, that are doing that uh, is, is something that we, that we really want to be doing. Yeah. So I found that uh, oil and gas has been doing well, but one of the ways that you can find leadership is, is to constantly be engaged with the market. Okay. When the market starts to sell off, what a lot of people tend to do is say, oh, okay, I'll, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to back off. And when you do that, you're losing, you're losing uh, uh, engagement. You need to stay engaged with the market. Uh, I like to use the analogy of a sports team. There's times when you see a sports team, they might have, you know, be down a lot of points in basketball or, or, or football, but they come back and, you know, tie the score, maybe eventually win the game. That's because they are staying engaged. But we as investors need to do exactly the same thing, even though maybe our portfolio is not doing so well, uh, the markets are not doing so well, they got to stay engaged. And a part of that engagement is when you start to see things like oil and gas, uh, you start to see a lot of things like uh, some of your medical stocks. Mm -hmm. Those have been doing well. Uh, uh, the pretty much the energy sector is doing well also. So just being engaged with the market is part of what you should be doing to, uh, to identify areas of strength in the market. Yeah, that's a really good point because I, 
I think um, if you're not staying engaged, then you're going to perhaps miss some of the explosive movers that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. And then your timing is off. So then it goes back to the overall direction of the market. So having a pulse on, on what's going on can help you stay in step with the market. And uh, speaking of big movers lately that we've seen in phase, so you mentioned energies, and that's not limited yeah. to oil and gas. We've seen solar stocks really catch fire, ENPH, the big leader here, and the recent run sparked uh, by its quarterly earnings report. And even though uh, uh, solar stocks have been somewhat volatile over the last couple of months, this relative strength was another clue that uh, put something like this on our radar even before that earnings move was uh, very explosive and yeah, had an impact yeah. on the price here. Yeah, this is one I'm kicking myself over because I had an alert set right where you drew that horizontal trend line and I didn't do anything with it and kind of kicking myself. But, hey, you know, you, you, you can't buy everything. And if you could, you know, who's got who's got the money to buy it? But uh, Enphase is definitely one of the leaders in today's market, um, along with TAN. Uh, that's also doing well. TAN, that's an ETF mm -hmm. for the solar industry. Uh, uh, SEDG, I forget the company name. That's the ticker symbol. Uh, that's also a, a, uh, a solar stock. Yeah, Solar Edge. You know, that one did have some rough going a couple of weeks ago, but it looks like it's recovered and it's making its move to the upside. So something like the solar edge, if you want a uh, single stock exposure, this is something that's setting up pretty nicely here. And uh, uh, as you mentioned a moment ago, solar is also doing well. All part of the energy sector, uh, the energy sector overall is, overall is doing very well. You've got oil and gas in, on one part of that energy sector, and then you've mm -hmm. got uh, uh, solar as the other part that's doing well. Yeah. And uh, one more note on Enphase, because I think this is also instructive from a, a, a portfolio exposure standpoint and also says a lot about where we are in the current market. In 2020, uh, traders of our flavor wouldn't really hesitate to buy a strong move up on earnings. But the kind of environment that we've been in is uh, one that up until lately hasn't really been rewarding that strength. It has, it's been tougher to really buy stocks into strength and especially something like this that had a track record up until then of being pretty choppy and, and volatile. A lot of fits and starts here. But at the very least, if we did miss this because discipline also really important um, in the stock market is that seeing stocks have more success in, into strength and building off of that, Celsius, C-E-L-H, another mm -hmm. example, C-E-L-H, a uh, very different industry group, but also a strong run in recent weeks. So also the, the stocks that you missed, Harold, what does that uh, help tell you about what, what we're seeing underneath the surface as encouraging clues, perhaps, about overall market conditions? Yeah, so, so even though I missed on on uh, in phase, I was I was at least looking at the right thing. So I'm yeah. I'm happy about that. But what you want to see with in phase is 
is what you what you're seeing now with Celsius. So if you pull up Celsius, Celsius had that really strong move to the upside, and now it's consolidating, going sideways a little bit. So who knows? In the next maybe week or two, this might form maybe like a three weeks tight pattern. Uh, it's a pattern that we like to use to add to a position. A three weeks tight pattern, I like to consider it a continuation pattern. Typically what happens, a stock, it'll break out, make a move to the upside, consolidate three, sometimes four weeks, and then make another move to the upside. So Celsius might be doing that. So that's what you want to see with Enphase. So even though I missed Enphase at the breakout, I'm waiting to see if it's going to consolidate its gains, just like Celsius. Mm -hmm. All right. So now that we've talked about different industry groups and also leading stocks, I think now, Harold, a question is, well, how do investors know if you've missed a stock? Because, you know, why shouldn't I just buy in phase right here or Celsius right here? If, if we want to go with the momentum, why not right now? And I guess that, that uh, then shifts over to a question about making sure you have that risk reward in your favor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have, a, you know, no stock is going to go up forever. Okay. So this stock is breaking out and it's made a really strong move to the upside. So again, we know that no, nothing is going to go up forever. Here's where it takes some discipline and having some rules. So as I mentioned a moment ago, what we would like to see with us, uh, with Enphase is a consolidate, just like we see with Celsius. Yeah, it's tempting to get into a stock that's run up like this, but you could be exposing yourself to uh, a eventual sell-off. You know, this stock is up, uh, looking at Enphase, 54% from its, uh, from its breakout there. So... Uh, again, nothing's going to go up forever. Mm -hmm. The stock is what we call extended. And um, uh, it's, it's too late to be getting into it now. I think you're just taking on too much risk if, you're, uh, if you try to get into the stock right now. So if we need to be keeping our watch lists fresh uh, for potential stocks to buy, if uh, the market continues to hold up, which again, we're, we're kind of in a position right now where we have one, our, our foot hovering over both the, the gas pedal and the brake. Yeah. <laughs> we're, not on the, we're not on the accelerator, but we're not slamming here. We're kind of coasting. We have some exposure in the market, but uh, I guess going back to your basketball analogy, if I may, uh, something that we've talked about in the past is you have to be nimble to switch from offense to, to defense. We've yeah. seen a strong couple of weeks. We could see more strength. Uh, we could start pulling back. Uh, so we have to be ready for, for those different scenarios. And so I think with that, making sure you're, you keep your watch list uh, fresh and up to date is super important. What would you suggest uh, would be the best way of, of going about doing that and uncovering those uh, top stocks to potentially buy? Well, first off, when it comes to building a watch list, I do the same thing every day, every week, regardless of what the market is doing, because that's part of my way of being engaged with the market is just looking at the indexes, looking at stocks, and it doesn't matter what the market is doing, because again, I want to stay engaged in the market there. And um, uh, so for now, uh, as you mentioned, um, and I was thinking of another analogy, how, how if you're ever driving down the highway, you're going 75, 80 miles an hour, but down the road, you see 
there is some heavy dark clouds. So you know, okay, there's something coming up. So you, you, you'll lighten up off the accelerator a little bit, but you're not going to stop. Yeah. So I think and those dark clouds, in my opinion, is that 200-day moving average that's hovering above us. So um, uh, I know that probably didn't directly – I forgot your question. No, no, that's great. For, yeah, for that, but, we, gotta, um, we have to build our watch list, but it uh, doesn't right. mean that we're going to load up the shopping cart. Right, exactly, exactly. So you want to build your watch list with fundamentally and technically strong stocks because these stocks, you know, if the market does – hit that 200 day, who knows, we could go sideways from that and we could break out above it. Well, if that happens, stocks that have the strong fundamentals, stocks that have the strong uh, chart patterns, those tend to be your leaders in the market. So you always will be ready, have that watch list ready uh, with fundamentally and technically strong stocks. All right. Thank you for that, Harold. And now let's get to some viewer questions, which we do really appreciate. And if you are joining us live, uh, submit your question and we'll try to get to a couple of these. We have we have a lot that have poured in, so we'll do our best. The first one is from Paul and he's asking, where do you see miners, steel and fertilizer stocks heading? So I guess the the first thing that we can do is uh, bring up one of the uh, metals and mining ETFs, and that is XME. Quite a few up days here I'm seeing on the chart, Harold. Volume, though, is pretty light. And this is a, a group that's been out of favor up, you know, up until recently, maybe maybe some money flowing in at least. Uh prices improving here, but a lot of money that flowed out of this group from late April to just a number of weeks ago. Well, the way I'm looking at the metals and mining, I think metals and mining are uh, where oil was back in 2020. Remember, oil went negative, and they're paying some very high dividends just to attract investors. But I think mining, because of this move to pretty much worldwide to go green, these type of stocks are going to do well because, you know, you need materials, you know, to build a solar panel, the materials in a solar, they have to be mined out of the ground uh, to build an EV. Uh, I, I was reading something not uh, earlier this week where a, um, uh, an EV uses six times more commodities than a combustion engine. So these mining companies should do well in, in, the, in the coming years because of this push in this move to go green and we got to have those materials got to come from somewhere and they have to be mined, uh, you know, out of the ground. And then I think from there, then you always want that story, right? That fundamental reason. And then from right. there, it comes down to mashing that up with, with what the chart is telling you. Right. 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 So, um, this chart with that you have now is showing you that, okay, my, uh, mining, this ETF is starting to make a move to the upside, uh, getting up above its 40-week moving average there. So that's a bullish sign for a stock. I've been buying stocks that, uh, that have been making up above the 200-day on a daily or the 40-week. Uh, Apple is an example of a stock that I've done that recently. Uh, XBI is one that I added to my position because it got up above that 200-day moving average. So uh, uh, that XME is doing it. So you see how it consolidated, had a nice move to the upside. Um, Are you talking about XBI? 
Well, yeah, well, XBI is doing, I think that's what I was looking at. But yeah, XBI had a nice move mm -hmm. to the upside, made it up above the 200-day moving average. It's consolidated a little bit. That's what you want to see when a stock does make a strong move. And hopefully, it'll continue to make a move to the upside. So this is what you want to see with XME. You want to see uh, uh, a similar action there. So ideally, what you'd like to see after that move up above the 200-day is the stock kind of consolidate a little bit digest those gains, and then continue making a move to the upside. All right. And so, Harold, we've talked about setting up our watch list and looking at uh, potential stocks to buy and when stocks are gone up and out of there, like in phase and your, and your Celsius and needing to wait uh, for another opportunity for, for the stock to maybe settle down and, and set up again. But what we haven't covered yet today for our Barron's audience is when to sell a stock. So Philip yeah. is asking, when should we be thinking about selling? Yeah, selling is actually more important than buying. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've heard a saying, it's not what you make, it's what you get to keep. And knowing how and when to sell a stock is extremely important. Now, when you sell that stock, all depends on when you bought it. So that's also, it has to take into consideration. So, you know, we just can't give you a blanket answer as to, oh, you sell it this way. Well, again, it all depends on where you bought it. So, uh, but you do definitely have to have an exit strategy, no matter what you're buying, whether it be an ETF, a, a mutual fund, um, an individual stock, you got to have an exit strategy. And sometimes it comes down to just drawing a line in the sand. You might have a 15 20% gain of the stock. And you say, okay, you know what? If this stock pulls back uh, to the point where I just have a 17% gain, then that's when I'm going to either sell the entire position or I'm just going to take a little bit off the table. So bottom line, it just comes down to just making a decision. But a decision is better than no decision as far when it comes to selling. Because yes. what we see a lot, a lot is, People, they don't have any sell rules. They don't have a sell discipline and they watch the stock go up and they end up giving back some or all of their gains. And that can be very frustrating, not only to your portfolio, but more importantly, your your mindset. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, you got to have some sell rules there. Totally agree. And I would encourage the audience to check out uh, one of our archived Barron's Live episodes where Scott St. Clair and I talked about some of those offensive selling strategies. So on the upside, uh, say you get in right and you have a nice gain. It, it is a, a tricky question and there isn't a one size fits all answer, but there are some, yeah, there are some strategies that you can utilize. So I would, I would recommend checking that out. And then on the downside, Harold, uh, as active investors, we definitely don't want our, our losses getting out of hand. So like you said, having that line in the sand, making sure your, your risk reward is in line when you're getting in the trade in the first place. And that's why we use looking at charts, looking at price levels and those moving averages to help answer some of those oftentimes difficult questions. Right, right. So your decision to sell is all based on the chart, not the fundamentals. You just throw out the fundamentals once you own that stock because the fundamentals, what they only change once a quarter. So a stock can have a drastic decline in price uh, before those fundamentals change. So you're using the charts, you're making a decision to sell a stock. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, as we're getting close to that, that uh, 200 day moving average, after a strong move since the June lows, you know, now is a good time to be selling into strength. 
If you don't want us, you know, I'm not waiting. Sometimes I'll wait to see, okay, yeah, we're hitting a area of resistance like the 200 day or some other level. I'm just going to wait and see what happens from there. But in this market, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the money and run and running, you know, uh, so mm-hmm. selling in the strength, that's something that we like to do. Selling in strength just means as the stock is moving up in price, uh, we're just going to take some monies off the table, either sell the entire mm-hmm. position or, or, um, uh, or just part of the position. On the other hand, let's say you bought a stock recently, but it didn't work out. You know, we have a sale rule that states if the stock goes down 7 to 8% from where you bought it, then that's where you should sell. But you don't necessarily have to wait. Until just, you, if it's down 5%, you just don't sit there and say, okay, well, I've got a little, I got, it's down 5%. I can wait 7%. No, uh, you might just say, you know, it didn't work out right away. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to sell the stock now, keep my losses uh, as small as possible. That is the key to investing is keeping your losses as small as possible because I don't care who you mm-hmm. are, uh, you're going to have losses. And the key to um, making money in the market consistently over the long term is having a sell discipline. Yes, absolutely. And I think it would be helpful for our audience uh, to share a real life example about setting stops and then also position sizing. So uh, John is saying how to set a stop loss price. So maybe Harold, you can walk us through how you figured that out for yourself with the Apple trade. You said you got in when it got back above that 200 day line with earnings mm-hmm. out of the way, had some volume behind that 3% gain on the 29th of July. And then also related to that, we had another question from one of our participants about uh, from Ernest about what's the minimum one should invest in order to make a decent profit. So, so a position sizing question there. Yeah. yeah so as far as position sizing, um, there's a standard in the industry that um, you should put no more than 5% of your overall portfolio into a stock. I know here at IBD, we tend to be a little bit more aggressive than that. We might, uh, for us, uh, you know, 10, 12%, we consider a full position. So you have to do what allows you to sleep at night. So 5%, if that allows you to sleep at night, you know, you don't want to go 10% because that's going to keep you awake. Well, then do 5%. So whatever allows you to sleep at night, that's what you want to do. But you definitely need to uh, have uh, some rules as far as how much you're going to put into uh, how much of your portfolio uh, percentage-wise or dollar amount, either way will work. But you need to have some type of rule as to, you know, what portion of your portfolio you're going to dedicate to an individual stock. So if that stock happens to blow up, your entire portfolio doesn't blow up. Mm-hmm. So here with Apple, Harold, how did you determine what position size you were comfortable with? And uh, where was your line in the sand uh, when you initiated the position, your plan, your exit strategy for that? And where are you at now with that? Yeah, so Apple, it's this is a stock that I've been trading actively for a long time, uh, more than a decade now. So I, I, I know Apple very well. So I took a larger position that I normally would because I just, I'm just very familiar with the stock. So once we got up above that uh, 50 day, or excuse me, 200 day moving average, I started out with a, with a 50% uh, um, 
uh, entry into the stock there. So 50% of my portfolio size. Now, normally, that's what we normally do. But because of the market, I've been lowering that, uh, uh, that initial entry. So at Apple, uh, I start out with the 50%. Uh, I, set my, I set my loss. You see that gap? So what I do is I look at the, the low of the day that it gapped up. And I look at the number and I calculate 2% below that. So that's my stop. Now, how do I arrive at 2%? I don't know. I just a number I just came up with. Uh, I like to see, you know, if the stock gets down 2%, most likely a 2% below the low, most likely it's going to continue down below that. So that's what I found over the years. So that was my exit strategy. It came down too close to that low, but it recovered and made a move to the upside. So right now, I'm in pretty good shape with Apple. So I will be looking and see, okay, well, what's it going to do from here? Right now, it's kind of like in no man's land. It's far away from the moving averages. Uh, there's really no support or resistance area that are close by. So this is something where, okay, I might just have to draw a line in the sand. Maybe I do so around the, I don't know, 170 area as a, as a place where I say, okay, you know what? If stock gets down to... 170, maybe 165, then I'm going to start taking some monies off the table because this is something I don't want to, I don't want to round trip it or coming close to round tripping. Mm -hmm. uh, great details there, Harold, on how you set stops. Really appreciate that. Uh, one more question that I'm seeing that I'm just going to address quickly before we wrap things up. And that is from Ronald, he's asking about for 401ks, where you're limited to just mutual funds. Uh, what you know, what's the strategy there? Dollar cost averaging, or should you reduce equity exposure? And Harold, I think that uh, that dollar cost averaging for the 401ks, where you have that at least 10 to 15 year time horizon. This is something that right. IBD founder uh, William O'Neill wrote in his book, How to Make Money in Stocks. You're going to treat that differently than right. the, the part of your portfolio that you are actively managing because there is a lot to be said about uh, dollar cost averaging those broadly diversified funds, emphasizing broadly diversified funds, um, not a dollar cost averaging single stocks or thematic funds, um, but making sure you have that long time horizon to take advantage of that uh, compounding that you can get. So that's kind of a different animal. Any, right. any other words of advice on that? Um, as far as a 401k or any type of retirement fund, look for a fund that is, that is very defensive. You know, maybe you have a utility fund. So uh, you know, there might be monies where you might have to shift over in that direction because the market is selling off. You don't want to see your retirement uh, fund. You know, you, you're making good money like we have over the, you know, since for, since quantitative easing, you know, the market's just gone up and up and up. But as it looks like we're that those days are coming to an end. But you want to have some defensive part of uh, of your 401k. I, I, utilities is the first thing I think of because um, they tend to do well when the market sells off, and they also tend to pay a dividend uh, at the same time. So uh, you could shift some of your monies into utilities. So, for example, I you know I just talked about. Um, um, uh, selling in the strength. Who knows? You're, you might have to do that with your, with your, uh, your, um, your dollar cost averaging into your fund as we get up to that 200 day because funds, you know, they're not immune to right. these moving averages. Um, we get up to that 200 day like we did in March. You know, a lot of your funds were doing well back in March, but when we got up to that 200 day, stocks and these funds that owned them, 
were declining there. So that might have been a time where you would have shifted some of your uh, assets in your retirement fund to make it to maybe like a uh, a fund that uh, uh, that invests in utilities or something defensive like that. Mm-hmm. Great advice there. All right, Harold. Well, as we wrap, any other final words of advice to our audience about how to handle the current market environment, which it's it's been a very tricky year. We are seeing things improve. And I know you, you've got your eye on that 200-day line, which is uh, going to be a big test. Uh, some individual stocks have successfully passed that test, at least in the short term, like the likes of Apple. But uh, your final thoughts here? Well, my final thoughts, as I mentioned earlier, I'm considering this as a bear market rally. And the rally has been very strong, but that 200-day is looming up you know, over us here. And I, I know I kind of sound like a broken record. I've mentioned that several times. You're just emphasizing this. it. You're right. emphasizing <laughs> exactly, it, Harold. Exactly. But I just want people to make sure that people are aware of it, uh, that we're to be careful that, okay, we're getting up there, um, not necessarily slow down your buying, but, uh, well, Speed yeah, you want to slow down your buying. <laughs> but as far as advice, you know, I mentioned, also mentioned selling in the string. So if you got some profits in some stocks, uh, take some of the money, take some money off the table. So if you have a 20% profit, say you bought 100 shares of XYZ, uh, take some off the table, take off 25%, you know, 60, uh, you know, 30%, do something. Just don't wait for it to uh, start declining and then you're giving back too much. So I would say for stocks that you have profits in, you know, sell them the strength, take some profits, lock those in and see what happens with the rest of it. If it keeps going, Okay, you've got some money working for you. If we mm-hmm. get above that 200-day moving average, well, you can look to um, start adding back what you took off. So I would say, number one, sell into strength, number one. Number two, have some sell rules, okay? And then number three, just stay engaged with the market regardless of what your portfolio is doing because you always want to be prepared. We're going to have an uptrend uh, again uh, or a continuing uptrend but you want to be ready for it. You want to be able to hit the ground running rather than trying to do a catch up. Some great words of advice to end on there, Harold. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And thanks everyone for watching. Make sure you tune in to Barron's Live coming up on Monday, where Barron Senior Managing Editor Lauren R. Rublin is going to speak with reporter Nicholas Jasinski, pardon me, and Gargi Chihardi ahead of iShares Investment Strategy. I should have uh, practiced that before I, I did this blind. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Gargi is the head of iShares Investment Strategies Americas at BlackRock, and they're going to discuss the outlook for financial markets, industry groups, sectors, and individual stocks. So tune in for that on Monday, and we will see you back here next month. The next Investor's Business Daily Special Edition of Barron's Live is going to be happening on Friday, September 9th. So we'll see you then. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.